Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, um, you're all very welcome. How's your day been? Uh, those of you that are parents, you've had children at home for the holidays now. What's, what's it like chasing them all day? Huh? Amazing, huh? And those of you going to work, the road is free now because the children are all holidays. Okay, very, they're going back to school very soon. Praise God. All right, today we'll be, you have your outlines, right? Everybody has your outlines? Praise God. All right, um, we'll be discussing on a topic called Eli, Eli, Lema, Sabak, Tani. So more or less we're teaching in Hebrew today. So if, you're not, if you don't understand Hebrew, maybe you want to go home. Praise the Lord. Let's open our Bibles to... Matthew 27, and I will read very quickly. I hope it comes on the screen. Matthew 27, 11 to 46. I'll read it very quickly because it's a long uh, script. It says, now Jesus was standing before Pilate, the Roman governor. Are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked him. Jesus replied, you have said it, but when the leading priest and the elders made their accusations against him, Jesus remained silent. Don't you hear all these charges they are bringing against you? Pilate demanded. But Jesus made no response to any of the charges, much to the governor's surprise. Now it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd, anyone they wanted. This year there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. As the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? He knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. Just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him this message, leave that innocent man alone. I suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night. Meanwhile, the leading priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. So the governor asked again, which of these two do you want me to release to you? The crowd shouted back, Barabbas. Pilate responded, then what should I do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? They shouted back, crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded. What crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder. Crucify him. Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere and that a riot was developing. So he sent for a bowl of water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. And all the people yelled back, we will take responsibility for his death. We and our children. Hmm. So Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. Some of the governor's soldiers took Jesus into their headquarters and called out the entire regiment. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. They wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head, and they placed a reed stick in his right hand as a scepter. 
Then they knelt before him in mockery and taunted, Hail, king of the Jews. And they spit on him and grabbed the stick and struck him on the head with it. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him again. Then they led him away to be crucified. Along the way, they came across a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene. And the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. And they went out to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. The soldiers gave Jesus wine mixed with bitter gall. But when he had tasted it, he refused to drink. After they had nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Then they sat around and kept guard as he hung there. A sign was fastened above Jesus' head, announcing the charge against him. It read, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. The two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads, shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled. They yelled at him. You say you are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, if you are the son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests, the teachers of religious laws, and the elders also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed. But he can't save himself. So he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from the cross right now, and we will believe him. He trusted God. So let God rescue him now, if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. Even the revolutionaries who were crucified with him ridiculed him in the same way. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabak tani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Praise the Lord. My God, my God. No, I said we're going to study in Hebrew. Eli, Eli, Lema, Sabak, Tani. Praise God. Eli, Eli, Lema, Sabak, Tani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As an opening text or an opening question, have we ever found ourselves in this kind of situation where Jesus was? Because if you look at it, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, the miracle worker. Jesus Christ, the one who can do anything he wants. Jesus Christ, who can perform all sorts of miracles. He makes things that, that, that is impossible easy. This was the same Jesus Christ hung on the cross. And he didn't whisper it. He didn't say it. He shouted it from the belly of his belly. Eli, Eli, lemak sabak tani. Have we ever been in this kind of situation where we felt abandoned by God? Where we felt this Christianity thing is not working. God is not, it's not real. Anybody here that wants, maybe has been through an experience like that and wants to share, you know, I, 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 I have an experience um, plenty years ago, plenty years ago, 
I, I wasn't a very serious Christian then. I was a, um, what's the word to use now? A born Christian, meaning I, meaning I was born into Christianity, but I didn't know Christ like that. And um, finished secondary school, flying colors, did jam, one time passed, got admission into university, University of Ife, specifically to study elect- electrical engineering. And I was, on, I was on cruise control. I was living my life, having a fantastic time. All was good, you know. And long story, long story, we wrote exams, and I failed all my exams. All. As in my GP was below one, my first semester. I said, ah, this can't be possible. So I racking my head, studying, doing extra classes, doing all sorts. As in, I, I, I didn't even understand what was going on internally because here I was so brilliant that, in quotes, so brilliant that I had colleagues, I had fellow students rallying around me that I would even be doing, uh, what do you call it again now? Tutorials. I'd even be doing tutorials for them on what we were studying. And here I was, I was writing the same exam they were writing that they, I would teach them tutorials. They would write the exam, they would pass. I would write the same exams, I would fail. I, I mean, I couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand it. Immediately, of course, you know when we all have problems, we run to God. So I moved from being born as a Christian to running to God and now trying to find God in the midst of all the confusion. I thought, okay, second semester, everything will change. Same thing happened again second semester. And if you know about uh, Ife, two semesters, below one, it means go home. And that was how I was thrown out of the school. I, it was the lowest time of my, I actually committed, I, 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 I contemplated suicide. It was the lowest time of my life. I felt, what did I do? What did I do to God? A lie, a lie. La Maxa Bacter, what did I, what have I done? Who did I offend? That was my own moments of, my God, my God, who have you forsaken me? Anybody else that wants to share his own experience? Maybe you've been in that kind of place, all right? Uh, anybody else? I want just about two or three. There's one there. Anybody else wants to be vulnerable? Okay. The lady in black. Uh, who else? One more person. Okay. Pastor Lamide. Okay. Ms. Amadon, please. Good evening, everybody. <laughs> I was in such situation then. I was also born a Christian. Not really a Christian. I was in school and I had this problem also. I was also very brilliant then, so brilliant. And my parents, they were very proud of me. And this problem comes. Ha! Problem was so terrible that even my parents couldn't bear it. Myself, I was in the hostel um, just from nowhere. I dreamt that somebody brought food to me in the dream, and I ate that food, and that was all. I was in this problem throughout my secondary school, this problem, my father died. In this same problem, I was in that same problem, my mother died. 
I was all alone, nobody. I was crying. This Eli, Eli, Labma Sabatani. Ah, ah, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Where are you in all this problem that I was passing through? That problem was so terrible that <laughs> uh, there was a time I have to deny Christ. Yes, I started going to Babalawo, from one Babalawo to the other, seeking for help. There was no help. I thank God then. <laughs> and you came back. Yes, at the last run of it, I came back. Amen. The Lord Jesus found me himself. Amen. Amen. Got you up. And that Praise problem God. went off just like that. Amen. 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 Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay. I mind you, I, I, after they threw me out of school, I went back to school again. So don't think I didn't go to ISD. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Praise God. Um, mine is about my school too. Okay. Um, in my final year, normally now, clearance and all that. So I realized that 15 of my courses were missing. Wow. And, Out um, of how many? <laughs> the whole 15. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. So um, I was sent to exams and records and they said they can't find my results and all that. I started going from each lecturer's office to another, begging them to help me, but everybody was like, oh, you know what, there's nothing we can do. Finally, I saw two of the courses, and I was asked to write the rest in summer. That was to write 13 courses in summer. So I registered for all of them, and my course advisor kept telling me, if you don't pass, you're coming back to school and all that. I was like, don't worry, I'll pull it off. So my dad was furious, like, after all the big school fees I've been paying, 13 courses from where? So I kept praying, and at the end of the day, I wrote the courses, and I failed one. And it was a math course. Wow. And math department said, we are sorry, but you have to come back for our next try year. Wow. So they kept begging. Even the math lecturer said, you know what, I don't want to hold this girl back in school because of just one course. Just wave it and let her go. And the lady that was in charge of math department, she said over her dead body, I must come back and write the course. I can remember my dad coming to school to plead on my behalf. And they, you know, now once lecturers see uh, parents, they'll now start saying, ah, this is your daughter. She's very bright, but she does not come to class. She's very stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things were said about me. I kept crying, and finally they said I should come back to school to write the course. And because of one course, I had to repeat an extra year wow. in school. And I was crying, but at that point, I started saying, <laughs> Eli, Eli. <laughs> finally, God helped me. I passed the course, and I graduated. Amen, amen. Awesome, awesome. Okay, finally, Islam Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, mine was um, childbirth experience. You know, when I took him with my first baby, I read this book, Supernatural Childbirth. You know, prayed, prophesied, trusted God, pain-free, and heard all sort of testimonies, you know, about pain-free labor. 
some people sharing testimonies of, in fact, it was so easy that it was like sneezing and the baby coming out. <laughs> so I, I trusted God. And so when it was close to the time, when, and I, 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 I trusted God that um, the baby would come two weeks before, my water broke. And then I was really like, ah, this is supernatural. Oh, thank God. Oh. I got to the hospital and they were like, what do you? I said, I'm in labor. And they not said, you are not really in labor. If you are in labor, you wouldn't need to tell us. We will know that you are in labor. <laughs> but when they checked me, I'd, um, I was already having contractions. So, but I was like, ah, supernatural. Supernatural, baby. So, I, I just, you know, after a while, you know, when I started dilating, when the pains now started, I said, God, Eli, Eli, Lamak, Sabah. <laughs> Why have you forsaken me? I've prayed. I've prophesied. I've, you know, um, trusted you, you, you know. To and I, and, and the baby I, didn't come out. The baby did not come out. <laughs> but I just really thank God. After, but, but the experience was for a very short while. But wow. it was really a tough Eli, Eli, Lamak, Sabah, Tani experience. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thanks, uh, thank, you, thank you, everybody, for let's put our hands together for those that um, contributed. It's not easy to be vulnerable about your hashtag Eli Eli Sabachthani mode uh, moments. Praise God. You know, we 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 all find ourselves once in a while running, going through this moment in life where we are saying, ah, God has, where are you? You know, and Jesus. Jesus, the ultimate Jesus, the, our Jesus, also went through the same. So today, we, it, it, um, that, that tells me that it is actually not a strange moment to experience. It's something that for us as Christians, we will all have to experience in different areas of our lives, you know. Um, if you have not experienced it yet, I'm not praying for you that it will come, but it's, like, it's most likely coming. So you be prepared. Say be prepared. Uh-huh. Because it's coming. It, and it, it, I mean, I talked about my, my own experience. It was school. My sister, the other lady was school. Pastor Lamide was childbirth. Yours could be, could be your marriage. It could be your children. It could be whatever. But... We will learn from what Jesus did today on how he passed through his moments. Because when we cry out, Eli, Eli, Lamak, Sabachthani, it is not an expression of the truth, but really it's actually an expression of how we are feeling at the moment. It's how we are feeling. And our feelings comes from how we perceive things, how we are reading things, which is usually determined by our hearts. We, we use our heart, our brain, to think about a particular matter and we reach a conclusion. That conclusion that we reach makes us to begin to feel in a particular way. So Jesus, who, has the, uh, who knows the plan of God, which is that he should come to die for the world, that we may be able to have salvation, everlasting life, went to the cross, got on the cross, and probably, just saying probably, he knew his mission was to die. Right? That was not, he, he didn't mean words about that. 
if you study the Bible, the Bible makes us understand that they actually nailed him to the cross around 9 a.m. in the morning. The Bible tells us that around noon, everywhere suddenly became dark, meaning that he hung on the cross, hands in nails, feet in nails, in serious pain on the cross for three hours. And he didn't end there. After noon, the Bible says that that statement of it is finished, he actually said it at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. So in all, Jesus hung on the cross for six hours. Now, where am I going with this? Is that it is possible that Jesus knew that, yes, I have to die. Yes, I'm ready for that. But God, make it fast. Right? Pastor Lamide was pregnant. She's been obviously pregnant for nine months. She knows that the baby has to come out. But God, let me sneeze and let this baby jump out. Praise God, right? I have to go to school. It's a four-year program. Let it just be four years. Let me get out and no strikes, no nothing. Why do I have to use six years for a four-year program? You guys in school right now, you don't understand. Our time, it was uh, <laughs> every time. You can't go a whole time without having strikes and demonstrations. Praise God. But what am I saying? Jesus also was on the cross and expect, probably knew he was going to die, definitely knew he was going to die and resurrect. But he was probably expecting a fast transition. But God chose to make it six hours. And he was there writhing in pain, in agony. To the extent he, 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 he had to come out and like, God... What's happening here? Why have you abandoned me here? Praise God. So what he was doing at that time, really, was the expression of how he felt. The expression of, expression of how he feels. And how we feel are usually indicators of some deeper things in us, not necessarily the truth. How we feel are usually some of, uh, matter of some deep, deeper things in us, not necessarily the truth that we see. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, The earth is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? So the heart that determines, our heart that determines how we feel, how we respond to any particular situation at any time, the Bible says that it is deceitful. Meaning that we can see a particular situation and read a different conclusion or a different meaning to it. It is never usually the truth. So what we need to do is that when we find ourselves in a situation where we are feeling in a particular way, we need to stop and check and say, okay, what exactly is making us feel this way? Because when I, when I had that my, my problem and I had to leave school, if I went to church, it wasn't because I wanted to go to church. It was because I was still living with my parents and they forced me. It, I, was in, I was like, what's the point? Why am I, why am I bothering? But why, why should I bother to pray? But with benefit of hindsight now, I now know. <laughs> that's a separate uh, story for another day. But with benefit of hindsight now, I now know why 
I did not, why I was failing, and why I did not continue in that program, and why God had to root me to another school, another program. Praise the Lord. So the issue when I was angry with God, the issue wasn't so much of because I, it didn't allow me to run that program. It was because I had struggles in my mind. What, what, what is it? What, what caused this? That I could not, I couldn't put my hands on. And my feeling was just transmitting and say, anger, be angry, be upset, be upset with God. God has not done you well. And we all pass through those kind of emotions. Praise the Lord. So today, we'll be talking about six things. Because when those emotions come, they are real. They will always come. When they come, six things that we must remember when it appears that God has abandoned us. Praise God. Number one. We must remember very clearly that God loves us. God loves you. Don't your neighbor say, God loves you. God loves you. God is our father and he loves us with a love that is perfect and unending. Perfect and unending. And you can trust in that. You can take it to the bank. Because you are his child, this God cares for you, watches over you, protects you, and even mourns with you, cries with you, passes all through the emotions that you may run through anytime you are running through those emotions. That's how God functions. And why is that? It is because of the love that he has for us. You see, we are all, we, we, everybody in this world is usually born into a family setting and is deliberate by God. Why? Because God wants us to experience the, the love between a parent and a child. The love between a parent and a child. God doesn't love us like as if we are on a seesaw. You, you guys know what a seesaw is? The picture that you have in your manual, that's a seesaw. Some people call it Jangirova. Jangirova, Ekpomoto. Praise the Lord. God doesn't love us like a seesaw. Because when you're in a seesaw, you push, another person push, you push, another person push. What that means is that you expect usually that when, when I'm a good person, God responds also with a blessing. When I, when I, when I, when I, uh, when, when I treat my neighbor well, God automatically too must treat me well. No, 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 no. God will treat you well, whether you treat your neighbor well or not. Praise the Lord. Because it is in his character. It is in his nature. Now, he wants you to treat your neighbor well. But you not treating your neighbor well does not mean he will not treat you badly. Praise the Lord. I don't know if you get that. The relationship between a father and a child and a child is not a relationship of um, the child says or the father says to the child, "You will only eat if you you are the first in your class." Is there any father here that does that? That I will only give you food as my, as my child. If you are the first in your class, if you, make, if you are the, first to, to the best student in your class, right? 
Does God do, 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 does there any father that does that? The same way, God also relates with us, even though the father would love, the father wants you to be the first in your child, but it is not a determinant of him feeding you. It is not a determinant of him extending love to you. Praise God. God's love for us is not, there's no way we can balance it. Because we cannot love him as much as he loves us. No matter how much we try. So we need to have and know that assurance in us that God loves us. Praise God. God loves us. And the reality is that First Corinthians thirteen seven it says that um, it's not in the it's not in the outline. Sorry, First Corinthians it talks about love, and it talks about how God's love never fails, how it is unending. We can learn to accept this love of God because it, it can be a struggle for us. But do yourself a favor when you know that if you are struggling with accepting this. Do yourself a favor and just stop and think about any time, which we all have, any time in your life that God did something amazing for you. That God did something spectacular for you. No matter how far away it is. You know, when we are running, when we are having videos here, and Pastor usually will start saying when we should thank God for the day we were born and on and on and on. There's a particular event in my life that I, I remember as a child. I think I was probably four or five years old at that time. I was very naughty. And um, there was this particular lady uh, that was, I think was a neighbor. She was a bit on the plumpy side. And we used to, me and some naughty other boys like that, we used to make fun of her about her size. And on that particular day, she was very upset there was this drum, you know, this 200-liter uh, metal drum, not the plastic ones nowadays, metal drum that had a metal cover. At four years old, she took the cover of that metal drum and flung it at me, and it hit me on the head. And I had a massive gash on my head. Each time I think about that, and I see all the things that happen, not even as close as that, and people have brain tumor, they have air not getting to their brain and on and on. And I'm still here, standing here today. It is a time to remember and thank God for me. So if God has not done anything to me, the fact that I'm not a vegetable today, that I'm alive, I can still think myself, I can reason. Nothing's wrong with my brain. If I don't even remember any good thing that God has done, I know he did that for me. And I'm grateful. And he didn't do it because I deserved it. Remember we talked about the seesaw? He didn't do it because I was a good boy. He did it and saved me because he loved me. We all have experiences like that. Hold on to if If, if all you do today is just to remember one experience, like, I've, like I keep holding on to that one, just hold on to that singular experience, and any time the devil comes to tell you, or you have the struggles in your mind, like... Something's wrong here. God is not working. Blah, 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 blah. Remember that incidence 
and play it back in your mind. Play it back in your mind. Play all the different scenarios that could go wrong, that God did not allow to go wrong, and you will suddenly realize that you know that God loves you. Praise God. So that's the first thing we need to remember. God loves us. Second thing, when we feel that Eli, Eli, Lema, Sabachthani moment, is that at times it is good to cry. Sometimes a good cry is necessary. You see, a number of times the, the anger and the hate of the world is so painful that we, 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 we block and lock our hearts so that we don't feel pain. We deliberately lock our hearts so we, we, we bottle everything in. But Jesus did not want to bottle anything in. It was okay, and he cried out unto God. Oh God, God, this is not the plan. Why have you forsaken me? Every one of us needs to know that it is okay to cry. I see parents nowadays that are, their number one job in life is to ensure that their children never cry. And I'm like, I don't know, maybe they're more school. But children, a part of their job is to cry. Let them cry. You know, when, when um, me and my wife, uh, no, sorry, it was before, before I got married, there was a day um, I went to one, a, a pastor of mine then, a lady, to our house, and we were just talking generally. And she was talking about how she raises her children and on and on. He said, look, you will kill yourself if you try to make sure that everything your child wants, you give the child and it doesn't cry. She told us a secret which has helped me and my wife. He said, look, if a child is crying, a baby, for example, if he's not, if so long as you make sure he's not hungry, you make sure he's not wet, you make sure he's not hot, and he's still crying, leave him alone. No, think about it. Okay, of course, and he's not sick. He's not wet, he's not hungry, he's not it's not hot, and it's not sick. She didn't say sick, but I'm adding sick. And if baby is not sick, and he's still crying, leave him and let him cry. Yeah. He will learn to realize that crying is not the solution, doesn't attract attention. He will learn it. The problem is that we are, we're not panicking. We're not, you, even you, you start crying with the baby. Um, but why? Praise God. We need to know that sometimes crying helps us to grow and make the right decisions in life. Crying. When you cry, it helps you to grow. Because when you... Okay, if a baby is crying, it's understandable if you run around and say, okay, you want to help the baby and find out what is wrong. Those four things are not sorted. It's okay. Now, if the child is like a five-year-old, five-year-old, and you see him crying, eh, I'm hungry, five-year-old. You step back and say, ah, okay, let me give him benefit of doubt. Maybe it's the first time. If the child is, let's say, a 12-year-old and is crying, eh, I'm hungry, what do you do? <laughs> you smack. Why? Because the child needs to use his brain. 
He needs to use his brain. At that age, maybe what the brain should tell him is, go and ask for food. It is not enough now to announce that you are hungry. It is, can I have food? Abi? Now, if the child is 18, hey, I'm hungry. <laughs> if you are like me, you say, okay, you have started a seven-day dry fast. Praise Lord. Praise God. So, sometimes crying helps us to grow because when you know that crying, it, it, it relieves you of the burden, but it also helps you to begin to think. It helps you to think of other alternatives. It helps you to think of what else you can do. Because it helps you to think of what else you can do and how you can ask God for a way. How you can ask God for what to do. Praise God. There's a popular term that says necessity is the mother of all inventions. That's the next line there. Necessity is the mother of all inventions. Can you bring up that second picture there? You know, um, I'm a farmer, all right? I'm a farmer. And um, you see that first plant on, the, on my right? Yeah, the first plant on my right. Now, what has happened is that if you look at the roots of that plant, it's not very well developed, right? The root is not very well developed, as you can see. Right? Talk to me now. Talk to me. Good. But if you look at the three plants, that's actually the one that is being given water manually. Now, I'm a farmer. I can tell you what is happening here. When you plant those three plants, and one of them is perpetually being fed water, Constantly, 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 constantly. The plants need water, right? Yeah, but in this instance, what they're doing is they're feeding the water, feeding the plant water, 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 water. The root has no need to go and look for water. So what happens? It does not develop. It doesn't develop. When it doesn't develop, the plants that you see at the top also begins to struggle. Now, look at the third one on the, on the extreme. It is denied of water. But what does it do on its own? It goes in search of water. As it is searching for water, the roots develop. When the roots develop, the shoots also at the top grows in equal proportion to the roots. In, in farming, they say that the size of what you see at the top, the plants, the growths at the, on this above surface is a direct reflection of the condition of the roots. So if the, the roots of your plants are not well developed, there's no way you can get a good plant. Now, again, the, the, the danger of this is that roots are most, the, the, the rate of development of roots are most, um, uh, I, 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 the majority of the roots is developed at the early stage of the plants. So if you miss that window where the plant should spread its roots and go and stretch out, searching, and you now, you, when you miss that window, the plant is going to struggle for the rest of its life. And the same applies to us in life. When we stay in a place where, where they give you, 
When you get what you want, when you get what you want, what happens? You be like that first plant. You don't grow. You don't develop. You become stunted. May that not be our portion in the name of Jesus. You need to be able to stand on your own so that when you cry and it it appears like no one is hearing you, no, God is hearing you, but God is saying, stretch your roots. Stretch your roots. Necessity is the mother of invention. Stretch your roots. Praise God. I need to move fast now. Okay, so we'll move to the third one. The first one is, the first thing we need to remember is that what? God loves us. Second thing, sometimes a good cry is necessary. Third thing we need to remember is that God will come to you if you ask. A lot of times, all the times, almost all the times, when we find ourselves feeling like we have been abandoned by God, when we find ourselves feeling like God has left us, when we find ourselves in the Eli, Eli, Lemak, Sabachthani moments, the one thing that most times happens is that we stop talking to God. Right? We walk away. It's not worth it. It's no point. But that is the time that we actually need to talk to God the most. Because God needs to talk to us and let us know what we need to do to get out of, of, that, of that moment. God needs to talk to us. God has no issues. Praise God. You know, not, not only will God listen to every prayer that you speak, but it will also come to you Every time you call upon him, Deuteronomy 31 6. He says, So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will what? He will neither fail you nor abandon you. This is the word of God. He says, He will neither fail you nor abandon you. This is the truth. This is not a statement about how we feel. This is the word of God. This is the truth. God says he will never fail you nor abandon you. And again, you know, a lot of times we, we have this perception that when you are asking God questions or we're querying God, it's as if uh, you are committing sin or you are doing something wrong. No. Jesus asked. It was a question. Eli, Eli, le sabachthani. It was a question. Jesus asked a question. So, means it's okay for you to ask a question when you feel abandoned. God doesn't have an issue with the question. God has an issue with the motive behind your question. Because if you're asking a question and saying, God, why didn't you do this thing now? What you're telling God in that instance is, if I was me, I would do this thing now. What's your problem? That's God has an issue with. But if you're coming broken, saying, God, I'm helpless here. God, I don't know what else to do here. Can you help me out here? God is ready to move. God is ready to show you the way. God is ready to make an opening for you. Praise God. There's a, there's a clip. Um, okay, let's, let's, there's a movie clip 
Let's have a clip. It's a, it's a movie facing the giants. I'm sure we've seen it before, but I just want to pick uh, some things out of a particular scene there. Let's roll. Proud of you, man. I need to talk with my dad. I'd like to go see him. I'll take you right now. So what we've done here is we've gained these four lots by moving the retention pond down here. We could try and do that through here if you want. No, I like this. That's perfect. Mr. Prager, there's someone here to see you. Sarah, I'm in a meeting. Um, it's your son. Would you like me to step out? No, it's okay. Sarah, send him in. Matt, you okay? I'm sorry, Dad. I didn't know you were in a meeting. What is it, son? Uh, Dad, I just wanted to say that I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the way I've been acting. I got right with God today, and I just needed to say that from, from now on, I respect your authority. Whatever you say goes. That's it. You know, I could come back tomorrow if that would be better for you. No, it's okay. I'm sorry. I, uh... For what it's worth, I'd give my right arm to hear my son say that to me. background for those that haven't watched the movie. It's a fantastic movie. You can go and watch it. It's called Facing the Giants. The boy and the father prior to now had extremely strained relationships because the guy was just upset with his dad. Oh, man, you don't listen to me. You don't understand me. You know, typical stuff, teenager to father. You don't know me. You don't understand me. You don't allow me to think myself. What is it? You're just bullying me, telling me do this, telling me everything. So he was very rude very angry with the dad and, and a whole lot of emotions going on. But he found God. And the good thing was that he got broken immediately. In his brokenness, he borrowed himself sense and he went back to meet his dad and said, look, at this point, I, I, I submit to you. I submit 100% to you. A lot of times, that's what God is asking and waiting for us to do. Submit to him. Just yield to him completely. Leave him and let him call the shots. Let him run your life for you. I pray someone will yield to God today in the name of Jesus. Okay, fourth thing that we need to remember. Uh, the first one is what? God loves us. Second one, sometimes a good cry is necessary. The third one, God will come to you if you ask. The fourth one, God sees the end from the beginning. Because we're small human beings in a very big world, we are so limited in our ability to see beyond what is right in front of us. We're limited in this. It's only God that knows where you are broken, and it is Him that also knows where you need mending. He also, God also is the only one that knows the experiences needed to heal you. 
He's the one that knows where you are broken and where you need mending. He also knows the experiences that we all need to heal, to, for us to be healed. Each trial that we go through is part of the perfecting process so that when we stand before him, we can be our best. We do not see what he sees, nor can we know what he knows. What we can do is trust that each experience he gives us is given to help us to, that each experience is, is it, okay, that, trust that each experience he gives us, points us in the direction that we need to go. Praise God. Exodus 14, 19 to 21. It's the story of Moses at the Red Sea. And you, need, you see, at, the, at this Red Sea, there's a lot of drama that happened. A lot of drama that happened at the Red Sea. Exodus 19. It says, the angel, then the angel of God, I mean, we, we, just a quick background again. Uh, Moses had just led the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he had led them to the point of the Red Sea, and they were at the, Red, at the, at the, the, the seaside of, of the of Red Sea. They couldn't go forward anymore. And just about when they were complaining, they looked back, and all of a sudden, Moses changed his mind and started coming towards them. And they were harassing Moses. So you brought us out here for Moses to come and kill us. There are not enough graves in... in, in eh? For Pharaoh, sorry. <laughs> Trying to run on time. You brought us out here that Pharaoh should come and kill us. There's not enough graves in Egypt anymore, right? So, right there, they were harassing Moses. See, right there. Then Exodus 14 says, Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. So, essentially, ah, okay, and stood behind them. The, the cloud settled between the Egyptian and the Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. You can see, fire is moving. Cloud is moving. Now, let's understand what is happening here. The Israelites had not seen or experienced this kind of events before. So to them, this was like a new experience. You would agree with me that the kind of experience that we will call our Eli, Eli, Lamax, Abaktani moments are experiences that we have never experienced before. Right? That's why we are shouting, God, I want to die. Because if it's something that we have experienced, we won't need, like, we won't be shouting like, God, why have you left me here? You know why? Because if we have experienced it before, we would have found a way out. So when we experience the second time, we know the way out. Are we in agreement? All right. So all this drama that was happening here, these people had not experienced it before. They came out, they saw a cloud, an angel, leading them, and they were falling in form of a cloud. They got to the Red Sea. This cloud suddenly reversed and came behind them. That would have created some panic on its own, right? Are we together? 
that would have created some panic on its own. The fire that was behind them, boom, went again in front of Moses and in front of Pharaoh. And in the midst of this, Moses said, calm down, let's continue. No, one back, uh, one verse back. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. They had never seen this before. But the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all night. Let's go. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. Hold on. Now, let me try and draw so that you understand what we're talking about. This, uh, this is more like the land. Goes into the sea. So you have the water here. Right? The Red Sea. So this is the land. And the people of Israel are here. Standing. And inside the Red Sea, you have the fish swimming. Waiting to eat anybody that dives in. Whales, sharks, orishirishi. Because it's a big, uh, big sea. Now, Moses stood here, carrying his rod. And the Bible says, the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. If the water is here, and they needed to pass through in this direction, where would the wind have come from? From this direction, right? So what it means is that, again, remember what I'm saying. These people have never experienced cloud moving, so they are afraid a little. These people have never experienced fire leading them. That alone is some reasons to be afraid. Pharaoh is behind them, wanting to kill them. And all of a sudden, God sends a mighty gush of wind. Now, to put in proper perspectives, the Red Sea. I did a little bit of research. The Red Sea is like, some say it's nine miles. Some say it can be as wide as 12 miles. It's 12 miles today, present dimensions of the area that the children of Israel crossed to go from Egypt into, into Canaan, into, across the Red Sea. It's about 12 miles. But they're saying back then, maybe it's about nine to 10 miles. In proper perspective, 9 to 10 miles today is like from here to Marina. That is the size of the, the sea that, Jesus, that, that God had to blow for it to part. Just in your mind, picture the intensity of the storm coming from this direction, passing through them. Because I'm not sure it came like this. It probably came like this to be able to clear the road, right? Am I making sense? It passed through them. That's why Moses had to say, stand still. Hold yourself because something is coming. Praise the Lord. The wind came with a lot of intensity. That was enough for anybody to shout and cry. Moses has killed us. But guess what? When the storm comes, it is not all storms that come to destroy us. 
some stones come to do what? To part the way in the Red Sea. Some are meant for, 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 for you to be able to move from where you are into your wells. Some storms come in life for being able to, to, to take you from where you are into your promotion, into your, into your land of increase. So when you see the storms, don't panic. Remember that God is the only one that sees the end from the beginning. Hallelujah. All true. All true. Read the scriptures. All true. Up till when Moses raised his hand over the Red Sea, there was no mention by God or Moses to the children of Israel what was going to happen. God just said, raise your hand. Moses also probably raised it just in faith. He didn't know. But God had a plan because he's the one that knows the end from the beginning. Praise the Lord. Very quickly, two more things. God is a God of goodness. Everything that emanates from God, everything that is good comes from God. And everything that comes from God is good, even the hard things. Even that thing that makes you say, Eli, Eli, Lemak, Sabak, Tani, because it is coming from God, trust, it is good. It is good. You may not know why it is good right now, but trust it is good. So many examples in the Bible. Esther. An edict came out. Wipe out all the, Israel, uh, all the Jews. Kill all of them. Why? Because God wanted to get someone in the palace to, be, to, to turn around the things around for the, for the Jews. Praise the Lord. Daniel is an example. Job we can go on and on. Every God is a God of goodness. There is no evil in him. There is no evil. It doesn't happen. It can't happen. Let me take a step further. It can't happen. Praise the Lord. That is how God functions. He's just a good God and everything in him is goodness. Final thing we need to remember. We are not to suffer alone. When we go through that moment of Eli, Eli, Lemak, Sabak, Tani, isolation is not the way to go. Isolation, staying away from everybody, staying away from your friends. You say you want to be alone, you want to be alone, staying away from church, your family. DFH is a family. Staying away from your family is not the way to go. Why? Because that is the easiest strategy of the enemy to attack. I like National Geographic a lot, so I watch a lot of animal video and stuff. The lion is the king of the jungle, right? He's the king of the cats. They call him the biggest cats. He's the, the, the strongest. Hyenas, I have seen numerous videos where hyenas are able to take down a cat, a, a, a lion. I kill the lion. What do they do? Just isolate one. If you can isolate one lion from its uh, pride, the lion is gone. God has created us as lions. God has created us. We are, we're kings. We're mighty. We're strong. 
once you eliminate yourself from your family, you are playing with hyenas. So when you get to that point of Eli, Eli, Lamech, Sabachthani, you need to remember all these things and remember that isolation is not the way to go. That is the time where you need to look for friends, trusted friends, and put them around you. Fortify yourself with people that you will consider as trusted friends. There are plenty of them in God's private house. Amen. Amen. And first thing, when you know you are looking for trusted friends, make sure you yourself are a trusted friend. Praise God. Because that's what makes us plenty when all of us are trusted, trustable. Praise God. Isolation is not the way to go. I wrote it in bold there in your outline. I didn't want you to even feel it. So use your pen, underline, circle. Remember it. Isolation is not is the way to go. Praise God. Ah. We just run through who's left. God never abandons his children. So in all of this, while we remember all these things, what should we be doing? First thing we need to be doing when we get into the Eli Lemak Sabakhtani moment is that we need to pray boldly and authentically. Pray boldly and authentically. Don't fake anything. Just say, ask, tell God exactly how you feel. Jesus was, was clear. He didn't mean what? God, why have you abandoned me? Ask. Pour out all that lies in your heart. Second thing that we need to be doing is that we, listen, we need to listen to his answers. So while we complain, not complain, while we ask God why what is happening is happening, then we need to also listen for his response. When we are dealing with God, we should not operate like a radio. You know when you are listening to a radio, he's just talking to you. You can't give feedback. Right? God wants to Hello? It's two ways. So when you have prayed and you have been honest and bold and authentic with God, you need to listen for God's answers. While you are listening, praise God. Start praising him. Think back, like I said earlier. I remember that day when they threw the drum cover on my head. I still have the scar. Even if I forget, the scar reminds me each time. Praise God, if that's all you can do. Praise God about that specific moment. The good thing that you can remember that God has done in your life. Start praising him for it. Then move from that praise to worshiping God because of who he is. Just worship him because of who he is. While all of this, while you are doing this, you need to now fortify yourself with the truth, not how you feel, with the truth of the word of God, which means, number five, you have to begin, to, you have to deliberately be reading God's word and keep it in your heart. Fortify yourself with God's word, keep it in your heart, and take that word, final thing, number six, take that word, 
and use it to contradict all the things that you are feeling. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.